Elsie Owen Books is a podcast brought to you by author and narrator Elsie Owen. This is your stop for five fantasy short stories in audio format. Please subscribe to our free newsletter at lcowenbooks.com for behind the scenes and exclusive content. Link is in the description. L.C. Owen Books, where thoughts become worlds. The Specimen by M. R. Callahan. Narrated by L.C. Owen. Episode 2. The following morning, Mercy rushed through her usual getting ready routine. She wanted to get to school a bit early so she could drop the specimen off in Mr. Bishop's lab before first period. Once she was dressed and ready to go, she pulled out the mayo jar. The specimen was clearly larger than when she had seen it last. It appeared to have doubled in size, at the least, and it covered the bottom of the jar in a loose coil. She was surprised by how clear the water was. She had expected to find a cloudy mess, but there was no sign of the cat food. Even the can was gone. Somewhat tentatively, Mercy picked up the jar and turned it in her hands, wondering what kind of animal could destroy and consume an aluminum can overnight. She knew that some cephalopods could have significant strength, but she knew nothing on this level. The tentacle squirmed unexpectedly. It surfaced rippling, and abruptly, Mercy felt the need for more of a barrier between herself and it, other than mere glass. Since her house was decidedly lacking in Kevlar, she settled for wrapping the jar in her mother's old tea towel. As the specimen slowly became obscured by the layers of threadbare cloth, Mercy let out a long breath she didn't know she'd even been holding. The relief lasted only a second, however, before she wondered what kind of mischief the thing might be up to, hidden as it was. She pictured it extending its tip, feeling its way blindly up the jar and dissolving its thin metal lid away. Paranoia would get her nowhere. On the other hand, Mercy was now sure that she couldn't get this thing to Mr. Bishop soon enough. Determinately, she stuffed the lumpy bundle into her backpack and slung it on, trying to ignore the prickling sensation between her shoulder blades. Walking to the garage, she could hear the jar sloshing with every step. She took her skateboard instead of her bike so she could take a shortcut to school. It required climbing a small fence on the back side of the campus, but it cut about five or seven minutes off the trip. As usual, Mercy put on her helmet in case her mom saw her leaving, then removed it and strapped it to the outside of her backpack once she was out of sight of the house. She put her earbuds in and cranked the volume up a bit. Skating with music was another thing her mother didn't care for, but it made it easier to keep up the tempo. At least the weather was good cool but not cold, with no breezes. She pushed hard, skating fast and enjoying the traffic alleys and neighborhood. On a normal morning, she might have stopped at the library for a quick skate session on the steps, but not today. She even refrained from taking her usual ollies over puddles instead to pick the smoothest, driest line possible, concentrating on speed. After five minutes or so of winding through the narrow alleys behind the quaint cottages of Kingsport, she emerged on the wide sidewalk, behind the athletic fields of her high school. She stopped and checked her phone. She had made good time. She skated more slowly now toward the corner of the baseball field, where the fence was partially broken down by the countless kids who had climbed it. Plenty of time to drop the specimen off. If I really book it, I might even have the time to grab a snack before math. Her board abruptly stopped with a short screech, pitching her forward. She turned to her right in the air and landed hard on her shoulder and elbow. 
Over the sound of black-veiled brides in her ears, she heard the mayo jar shatter and instantly felt wetness seeping through the back panel. Ow! God damn it! Her palms was scraped a little bit, as was her elbow, but she was more upset about the matching hole in her hoodie. Looking back at her board, she saw the culprit. A rock, just big enough to stop one of her front wheels cold. With a few more muttered curses, she yanked her earbuds out and got to her feet. As she slipped her backpack off, she could hear the shards of glass rattling inside. Water was trickling out through the zipper, and Mercy imagined her textbooks and gym clothes covered in water and mince remains of the specimen. She touched the zipper pull, and a worse outcome occurred to her. Perhaps the specimen was fine, alive and flopping around in there, pulsing with that strange way that it did. Either way, she dreaded opening the bag. But it had to be done. She braced herself and unzipped the main compartment. After pulling out two dripping books and a folder of soaked homework, she peered into the dark interior of the bag. Pale pink flesh lashed out and latched onto her hand. She shrieked and let go of the pack, but the specimen gripped her thumb quite firmly and curled around the back of her hand. As the bag fell to the pavement, she felt the immense strength of it, and for a brief moment imagined her hand being crushed in the pulsating coils, just like her helpless angelfish. No, no, ooh, no, no! By violently shaking her hand, she eventually dislodged the clinking thing. It fell to the sidewalk and immediately began squirming toward the gutter. Mercy skittered away from it, her hand still twitching. She watched as it disappeared under a parked car. When I looked under the car, it was gone. I couldn't find it anywhere. I think it must have gone into the storm drain. She rubbed her thumb, where the creature's grip had left a series of oval welts. Mr. Bishop nodded, never taking his eyes from Mercy's phone. He hit the replay button and watched again, the grainy video of the specimen crushing the angelfish. As the clip ended, he shook his head in disbelief. I'll have to do some research on this. Can you send me that video? It's... He checked his watch. Almost time for first period, so why don't you stop by during lunch? I have more questions about this. One of the perks of being a decent student at a large school was the relative invisibility it offered. Despite school policy on the contrary, Mercy spent most of the morning holding her phone in her lap behind a textbook, engaged in covert internet surfing. Her teachers were either oblivious, unconcerned, or too tired to care. The invertebrate identification sites she was familiar with were quickly exhausted, so she ventured into the marine biology forums and message boards. An offhand comment about globsters led to a few cryptid sites, and by lunchtime, she was neck deep in the murky blue waters of cryptozoology subreddit. Although there were scores of videos of unknown specimens there, all garnering the comment, fake or shopped, Nothing she found was even remotely resembled the specimen. She knew that her grainy, shaky clip would be treated equally savagely if she dared to post it. One written description she found did seem somewhat similar. In a thread about a giant squid attacking boats, a user named MannyPog62 had posted an excerpt from a log in a whaling ship, the Azimuth, dated 1911. In it, the captain described how a bloodless tentacle, thick as a man's leg, had attacked his men. 
Mercy poured over the sentry, scrolling faster as the similarities to her own creature mounted. Two of the sailors were lost in the tentacle destroyed by their 30-foot whaleboat like kindling and then grabbed a 50-foot whale they had harpooned and dragged it below. While rescuing the crew of the launch, sailors on the deck of Azimuth reported a yellowish glow and a flashing light in the deeps. Mercy saved the link for later investigation. When she arrived at the biology classroom, Mr. Bishop was seated at his desk, staring intently at his laptop. Mercy rapped on the door frame twice, and he looked up. Come in, Miss Rye. He gestured to a chair facing his desk. This is quite an interesting find. Mercy put her still-damp backpack on the ground and turned the device so they could both see the screen. Watching her video for the first time on a large monitor made the poor quality of her camera even more apparent. Wow, I really need a better phone. Hey, it's better than nothing. Remember this Autobahn recorded his specimens with watercolors? He paused. Then he raised an eyebrow as he added, after he killed him with a shotgun. Mercy chuckled. I'll try to remember my shotgun next time I go to the beach. Right? Mr. Bishop smiled. Now, where exactly did you find it? It was near an old jetty on the south end of the beach. I went out during low tide. Mr. Bishop nodded. And you said you got it Saturday, right? Mercy agreed. It was tiny when I collected it, only about the size of my pinky. It got bigger really fast. Do you think it's like a starfish? Will it grow a new body from the torn end? It's hard to say from the video, but maybe. How big was it when it escaped? Mercy shrugged. I didn't measure it. Maybe a foot long? Wow. What did you feed it? I didn't feed it anything on purpose, but it ate a blenny, three killifish, and an angel. Oh, and some cat food, including the aluminum can it came in. Mr. Bishop looked up from the screen suddenly. It ate a can? I guess. I mean, the can was gone in the morning, but is that really eating? It seems like the fish just got crushed and then sort of uh, disappear. Yeah, that's very odd. It's a shame it got away. I would have really liked to see it in person. Mercy shook her head. I don't know if you would. It was really gross to look at. The color of it and the way it moved. There was something very wrong about it. Mr. Bishop closed his laptop and smiled. Well, no need to worry about it anymore. If it went into the storm drain, I'm sure it's dead by now. The drains around here are pretty dangerous for small animals. Mercy nodded. Where do you think it came from? I couldn't find any native species like it online. I don't know, but I do think it's safe to say it's alien. I mean, not native to this region. Mr. Bishop removed his glasses and continued. We've had some big storms as of late, so it could have been carried to shore from deeper waters. There's also a lot of international shipping into the ports nearby, so it could have hitched a ride here that way. I'm wondering what happened to the rest of it. The body has to be out there somewhere, growing a new arm. Mercy's skin prickled at the thought and remembered again the pale yellow eye from her dream. Perhaps, but we don't even know if it's a regenerating appendage. What if it's actually a worm of some sort? Honestly, I wouldn't worry about it too much. There are plenty of aggressive predators around here to take care of it. Mr. Bishop smirked as he added, Just to be on the safe side, stay away from the storm drains for a while. Yeah, I'll do that. 
Mercy smiled as she shouldered her soggy backpack. Keep me posted if you ever figure out what it was. You'll be the first to know, Miss Rye. When school ended that day, Mercy skated home slowly, although she didn't stop. She did look briefly into the storm drain she passed. Her feelings were no longer conflicted. She now wished she had killed it when she had the chance. MR and RM Callahan write interrelated fantasy series inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Their books and stories can be found at flockhall.com. Join the flock to enjoy free exclusive content, giveaways, death threats, and... Wait, that can't be right. Huh? Nope, that's what it says. Alright, um, giveaways, death threats, and fun reader contests. Link is in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our channel. For more information on sci-fi fantasy authors, short stories, and novels, please visit our website, lconbooks.com. LC Owen Books, where thoughts become worlds.